are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. It's a story of Moses. He's out on the backside of the desert, tending his sheep. He looks across on a, on a mountain there, and he sees a bush that's burning. But it's a different kind of a burn than he ever saw before. It's not being consumed. There's a fire in the bush, but it's not being consumed. And he goes over close to it. God speaks from heaven and says, Moses, take your feet, take your sandals off your feet, your shoes off your feet, because you're standing on holy ground. When the fire of God begins to burn, you realize you're on holy ground. When we come into a place like this and we begin to worship like we've been worshiping this morning, I want you to know that you're on holy ground. God wants to do something in our hearts and in our lives. Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or if they won't listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? The shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the, the staff, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. And then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. You see, everything is miraculous with God. I don't know too much about snakes, but I don't think... If you want to pick up a snake, you're not going to pick it up by the tail. But God said, pick it up by the tail. So Moses obeyed. He reached out and grabbed its tail. And it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Father, we just ask that you would just, by your Holy Spirit, make this word real to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Moses tried to convince God that he was the wrong person to deliver the Jews from the Egyptian oppression. God asked Moses, what's in your hand? To Moses, a shepherd's staff was very insignificant for what God was calling him to do. We often think that we, we don't have the resources we don't have what it takes to do 
what God desires of us. But God used a stick in Moses' hand to assist in freeing somewhere between one and two million Hebrew children from the hands of Pharaoh. God is not limited by our resources. So what do you have that God can use today? The answer is whatever you have. It doesn't have to be something great. It doesn't have to be something significant. If you're willing to offer it to God, God is willing to use it and use it mightily for his glory. God is, sti is still asking questions today. Let's look at some of the questions that he do ask, that he have asked. Adam, where are you? Adam had sinned, disobeyed God. God knew where he was. God wasn't trying to find Adam. He knew exactly where he was. But he wanted Adam to know that he had failed, that he had sinned. So Adam had to admit. In that moment, Adam was forced to admit that he had sinned, that he had disobeyed God. The consequences of his sin would have far-reaching effects. God forgives, but there's always consequences. Do you know that? God is a loving, kind, forgiving God. But there are many times in our lives when we, when we take the wrong path, when we make the wrong decisions, that there are consequences. We need to be willing to own up to those consequences and accept whatever those consequences are, but at the same time, knowing that we have a God who cares so much about us, that if we're willing to put our faith in him, he's going to lead us out and to help us. <coughs> I think this is a bad, bad thing to have uh, with, uh, <laughs> with a cough. We'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll have to take it off. <coughs> Another question, Elijah, what are you doing here? God knew what he was doing. God knew he was hiding in a cave, running scared, wishing that he were dead. You know the story? God's people were in rebellion. They were serving other gods. God directed Elijah, and he prayed. And there was no rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years because of a man's prayer. 
James says, speaking about Elijah, he said, he was a man just like us. Exactly like you and me. And he prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. That's power with God, isn't it? But do you realize that you and I have that same power with God? And so now the three and a half years were over. And he goes up to the mountain. And he challenges the priest of Baal. He says, let's have a contest. Let's see whose God is really powerful. The God who answers by fire is the God of all power. So you guys begin. You start praying to your God and ask him to send down fire from heaven and see what happens. They prayed all day and they cried and they yelled and they cut themselves, the Bible said, and nothing happened. And then Elijah, Builds the altar of God again. It had been broken down. He builds it up. He puts the, the wood on the, on the altar. And he puts the, the sacrifice on the altar. Then he directs them to drench that altar with water. So nobody will be able to say that somehow Elijah had a fire started in there. When, the, when it was certain that there was no way that a fire could be started in that sacrifice on that altar, Elijah begins to pray, and he prays a short prayer. And the fire comes down from heaven. It burns up the sacrifice and dries up all of the water. And the people shout out, the Lord. He is God. The Lord, he is God. And a great victory was won for the Lord that day. You know the story. The wicked queen, Jezebel, said, I'm going to have his life for that. The news gets back to Elijah. All of these things are happening. But even now, after the fire came down from heaven, Elijah says, there's going to be abundance of rain. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. When he said that, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Not a cloud in the sky. It was, it was just as sunny and just as dry as any other day for three and a half years. And he said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And I don't know what he was doing, but he went and he put his head between his knees. Maybe he was praying, maybe he's saying, Lord, what in the world did I say? But he sends his servant, he says, go and look and see. If there's any clouds in the sky, he 
went and he looked, there was nothing. He went and he looked, there was nothing. Then he goes, comes back again and he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, quickly run and tell the king to get in his chariot and go as fast as he can because there's a big downpour coming. And now, after all of this, all of these miracles happening in that day, the news comes to him that the queen is out to take his life, and he runs and he hides. And God says, what are you doing here? Why are you here? How soon we forget. How soon we forget. How soon we give up. We're no different. God has done some tremendous things in your life, and today maybe you're here and you just feel defeated, and you just don't know what to do next. You're almost ready to give up on life. You're ready to give up on God. Are you forgetting what God has already done for you? Are you forgetting how he took you out of drugs, how he took you out of alcohol, how he brought you into a place where you've got a relationship with God and you're ready to give up? God would never give up on you. God will never give up on you. You may have fallen flat on your face. You may have done the most embarrassing thing that you could ever do. It would hurt your family if they knew it. It would hurt your church if they knew it. But God will not give up on you. He loves you. He cares about you. God cared for him in his depressed and unbelieving state. Some people try to justify their disobedience. I must be doing the right thing because God is blessing me. He's taking care of me. You see, God loves you. God loves me. Even when I'm walking in disobedience, he still loves me. Before I ever knew him, the Bible says he loved me. And he cares about us. Just because God is blessing me doesn't mean that I'm doing everything right. God provides for us because he loves us and he cares. Even when we disobey his word. His care and protection are not always evidence that you're doing the right thing. Who touched me? Story of Jesus. He's in a crowd. They're pressing in on him. He asked a question that confuses his disciples. Who touched me? Jesus knew who had touched his clothes. He also knew why. 
Yet he stopped the huge procession and asked, Who touched me? The woman finally spoke up and shared her testimony. Christ had not asked. We would never have her testimony. God never asks the question that he don't already know. God don't ask questions to enlighten him. When God asks the question, it's for my benefit. It's for your benefit. It is sometimes to awaken you to the reality of life, to the reality of your situation, to the reality of his love, of his concern for you. What's in your hand? When God asked Moses, what's in your hand? He was asking, what's your identity? His staff, his rod, that little stick, identified him as a shepherd. It symbolized his livelihood, means of making a living, his income, his sphere of influence. God never asked a question that he don't already know. He knew all about Moses. He knew how he had been raised in royalty. He knew how he had taken things in his own hands, killed that Egyptian, had to flee for his life. He knew that it was 40 years since he'd been back in Egypt. knew all about him. Do you know something? God never asked me and he never asked you to do something that he knows you cannot do. God knows what I'm capable of. God knows what you're capable of. The question is always for our benefit. What's your income? Your tithe is very important for your prosperity in every area of your life. What is your influence? You know something? There are people in this community, in this area, that I could never touch. Doesn't matter that I'm a pastor. In fact, a lot of times when people find out that I'm a pastor, they'll run from me. They feel too uncomfortable. They think that I'm somehow better than them. I don't know what it is or thinks I'm better or whatever. But you've got a rapport with them. They know you. They'll listen to you where they wouldn't listen to me. Sometimes that one that you care so much about, you want them to experience Jesus just like you have. Maybe it just takes getting them to come to a church service. 
They might have all kinds of ideas and preconceived notions of what church is like. But if they'll come to Colate Community Church to find out it's quite different than what they've been used to, or when they were a kid and went to Sunday school or whatever. But who knows what God will do in the heart of a man, a woman, a boy, or a girl that's allowed to, to sit in the presence of God for just 15, 20, 30 minutes or an hour and a half. The Spirit of God can speak to a heart through the songs that we sing. The Spirit of God can speak to a heart through a greeting out in the foyer. The Spirit of God can speak to a heart through a simple message from God's Word. And it can be the means of changing your friend, changing your family member forever. You can reach many people for the Lord among your family and friends and peers. Pastor Rick Warren, the author of The Purpose Driven Life, he's the pastor of Saddleback Church, a, a mega church, a large, very large church, thousands and thousands of people. That book, The Purpose Driven Life, has made millions of dollars from that book alone. He and his wife Kay, after prayer, decided not to change their life one bit, even though they now had millions of dollars at their disposal. He stopped receiving salary from Saddleback Church in 2002, the year the book was released. And he paid all the salary, paid back all the salary, that he ever received from the church, set up foundations, pays for all his own travel expenses, and practice reverse tithing, where he gives 90% of his income and lives on 10%. He says, I don't want anybody doubting why I do what I do. He said, I know this book has put me under the spotlight and I... And I didn't want anyone doubting why I do what I do. He said, nothing noting that his main goal in life is to simply save one more soul. That's a perfect example of using what is in your hand for the Lord. You see, God is never limited or terrified by our lack. What you have right now is more than enough for God. I don't care if that's just a penny. I don't care if you can't sing a note. I don't care if you can't speak publicly. It doesn't matter if you have nothing. You have you. You have your own life. And if you can give your life to Christ, if you can say, Lord, 
I want you to be Lord of my life. I accept Christ into my life, and I want to serve you, Lord. I give myself to you. That's all God requires. He wants you to use what you have for his glory. 10% of your income, generosity to special needs, a percentage of your free time to the Lord is as important as Rick Warren's millions. If I use my talent and gifts for the Lord for the best of my ability, that's what God requires. We've been hearing a lot about a change coming. We've been hearing about a shift in the spiritual atmosphere. You know something, what God has planned is going to take place. And it's going to take place without, with or without me and you. Do you understand that? God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. And a mere two or three or four hundred people in a congregation is not going to stop that. But if God can get two or three hundred people together in one accord and are willing to say, Lord, I give myself to you. I don't have much to give, but what I have, I give you. That's what God can use. If we as a congregation could get together like that, do you know what would happen? This building that we have here right now would be only a prayer meeting room to what God can do. Do you realize that this community is growing leaps and bounds? Those of you who have tried to get a house, to buy a house in this place, knows what it is. God is about to do something in the spiritual that is supernatural, but he needs people to do it. We've got all of the, the name, we've got the name, Pentecostal, full gospel. But are we Pentecostal and are we full gospel? It's time for us to say, Lord, I'm yours. What are we waiting for? We've got the best music you could have. We've got talent running out of our ears. We've got the top quality sound system in this building. And do you know something else? We've got people 
with a burning desire to serve God. And I would dare to say that most of us, when we go home today, will say, oh God, I want to get out of this rut. I want to get out of this. This is not what I envisioned for my life. This is not what I envisioned. I needed more. I need more. I envision more for myself than just coming to church and sitting in a pew and warming that pew for a few minutes, for, a f for an hour or so, and going home and nothing changes. God is just waiting for people to say, I need you, Lord. Every hour I need you. I need your power. I need your guidance. I need your direction. And it's not enough. It's not enough, friends, to just want more and more of God and not being willing to give more and more of myself to him. What God wants to do here can't be done by human strength, human knowledge, and affluence, and money. What God wants to do is a deep spiritual work in my life and in yours. And every one of us have failed. Every one of us could do better. It's time to stand up for the Lord. What do you have that God can use? A heart that's in tune with God. That when your neighbor comes for a cup of coffee, can't help but notice there's something different about you? Oh, you've been a Christian for years. What's changed? God has got a hold of my heart. That's what's changed. I'm allowing him to work in my life. In Alberta, Possibilities for young men and women today within a few years to be millionaires. What good is that if you don't have Christ? What good is that if you're not living a life for him? What good is it unless you're touching lives for Jesus? We're always looking at the big thing. We got to do the big thing or do nothing. How about the little thing? How about simply just saying, Lord, I'm going to pray more. 
Lord, I'm going to serve you with a full heart. Would you like to stand with me today? Ernie, could you sing that one again? I need you. I don't know. We've brought in the more chairs because of the one service now. We don't have a large area, altar area here. But I got a feeling this morning God is speaking to hearts. Maybe I'm the only one that feels this way today. I don't think so. Could we make a personal commitment to the Lord? Lord, I'm giving myself to you. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Doesn't matter if you don't belong to this church. Doesn't matter if you're just visiting. There's something about making a personal commitment It changes things. I remember many years ago, I walked down the church aisle, I'd been born again. I had grown cold and callous. I ran down the aisle and I knelt and I said, Lord, ever see me get this far away from you again, take my life. I'm glad he didn't hold me to that because I'd be dead long ago. But that was my heart. So as we sing I need you, I'm going to ask everyone that the Lord has spoken to today and said, Lord, I I want you. God is saying to you, I don't want your money. I don't want your boats and your cars. I just want you. You have fun with all of that stuff. All the stuff that I've allowed you to get, you have fun with it. But I want you. Are you willing for the next phase of what God is going to do in Coal Lake? Then come. Let's come around here, encourage one another. Let others see that you're, that you're serious about this, that you want God to move in your life. You're willing to do for God whatever he wants you to do. Let's sing, and you come.
let's fill this place. I'm not going to keep you long. We're just going to come and make that. That'll be our commitment. We'll pray and then we'll go. And if you want prayer for anything, of course, I'm here to pray with you as long as it takes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.